And on this, uh, not really a milestone. I mean, every episode's a milestone in, in its own way, right? Every episode means it's one more episode than it was yesterday. I can't uh, believe we're still doing it's it. It's a nice, good, solid, squared number. You can divide it a couple of different ways. But on this episode, what are we going to talk about? We're talking about a movie that is currently available on Shudder mm-hmm. um, that people were seeing and I was super jealous of, so I was happy when it became widely available, called Tigers Are Not Afraid. Tigres tienen no mierda. Yes. That is actually not the Spanish title of the movie. Uh, no! Yeah, did you know I, that? I, was, I saw, well, when I watched the movie, I saw that, and I went, right? wait, what? <laughs> it's such a good title for a, a movie. Title. It is a very good title. And apparently, I mean, we'll obviously get into the movie in a little bit, but the movie originally wasn't going to be about tigers. That's it, I'm leaving. Yeah, it was going to be zebras. <gasps> Zebras tienen no mierda. I don't know. I have so many things to yeah, say. I know. Think about that. Time. Let that stew. Uh, before we dive deep into yes. Tigres tienen no mierda, uh, we are going to talk about some other stuff we've been watching. And you, Missy, have to finish up your spooktacular stuff to me. I do. So I I wish I remembered the last thing I talked about. Did I talk about uh, When a Stranger Calls? Yes. Either version. Yes, it's a weird yes, because we said how weird the first one is in terms of it's like, oh, it's not just about the calls coming from inside the house. Yeah. And that the weird. remake you said is about a very nice looking kitchen and that's just oh. about it. If I talked about the house then I clearly covered everything we need to know. <laughs> um I don't think that I talked about the last house on the left remake. You did not. How does that hold up? It's been years since I've seen that one. For some reason we own it on Blu ray. When that came out <laughs> It was really kind of treated as, oh, here's a step above, because it was the it was the age of remakes, and that one came out, and everybody kind of like did a double take and said, oh, this remake is actually a good one. Is mm-hmm. it still a good one? Um, no. Mm. Um, it's not bad. It it the cast on it. You every time I watch it, oh, I forget and then re remember and go like Garrett wow. Dillahunt and Aaron Paul. Yep. Aaron Paul's in it. Ricky Lindholm is in it. Oh god, um, yeah. That cute, that cute boy that grew, grew up to be a hot boy from um, the Unbreakable movie. He was then oh. in Mr. Glass. Okay, <laughs> he, he's in it. Um, I. It's not bad. I think at one point I would have told you I kind of liked it. Yep. But this watch through of it, I was like, oh boy, mm. I don't. I'm not really feeling it. It's it. go- It's a little goofy and. I don't know. It, well, it, then it has we, that ending. That's yeah. Oh, the microwave. Oh, the microwave. I, I feel like that ending was put there because some producer was like, "Look, you're you're going to piss off the fans. They came here for something. You didn't really give it to them. Just give me yeah. something at the end. People can ignore it if they want to." 
And then they do that. And yeah, it's so it wasn't the low point of the month, but it definitely started to shift things Mm. down. Uh Okay. And I thought it was just going to be, I don't know why I thought Last House on the Left was going to be a breezy rewatch. I I thought there would be more there to like, just kind of like, oh, we're watching this and this is what we just watched. But it really felt like a slog, Mm. which I don't, I don't remember previously it feeling that way, but I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's just because it isn't aging well. Um, It's, it's not mean enough, but it's too mean. It's it's weird. It's just yeah. Ugh. It's a tricky era because it's kind of torture porn is in full swing. So like for a hard rated R, like you expect a certain level yeah. of violence, but it, not every it, filmmaker knew how to do that in a way that's still uh, connected. It just never. I don't know. It's not anything, but. Mm. I don't know. I have the Blu-ray, so I guess I'll forget and <laughs> watch it again next year, probably. Um, have you ever seen a movie from... I'm looking at it now because I couldn't remember what it was when it was on my list. 1986 called Killer Party? I think I have. And I remember, be, like... Th- oh, yes, I did. Okay, Killer Party. This is, like, a sort of a comedy. This movie doesn't know what it is, right? It's very um, Canadian. I think that that is an understatement. Mm-hmm. Y- yes, it it's like so it's like sororities and fraternities and hazing and like these three like girls who are actually thirty year old women. I don't <laughs> know if that's how old they were, but that's definitely how old they felt. Um, and and then you're like, oh, so this is like a like there's a serial there's like a killer among them trying to get revenge so it feels very like stock in that regard like a terror train kind of right right. but not terror train um (laughs) and and so i was like okay so this is just kind of a rote boring-ish version of that and then like in the last i don't even know if it was the last third maybe even just in the last like 10 minutes it's about a demon Like a straight up yeah. crawling up the walls, inhabiting bodies, demon. What? <laughs> if memory serves, I watched this with excitement. I think maybe like Gentleman's Guide covered it at some point. It was a title that I'd always heard and I wanted to watch it and I was excited. And I watched it thinking I was going to write about it and then I didn't. And I think it was because I was like, I don't know what's happening and I'm not into it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I wasn't into it. It does have a good tagline for IMDb. Dedicated to the class of 86. Dead, D-E-A-D. That's funny. Yeah, yeah. But, like, the movie wasn't, it wasn't funny. It wasn't didn't clever. Know what it was, right? It wasn't scary. Mm. And in the second it decided to be interesting, which was by introducing a legit demon, I was completely out. Yeah. I think it was on Amazon. I think we watched it on Amazon. I am intrigued by the storyline that somebody has added to IMDb, which starts as three gorgeous babes decide to join a sorority <laughs> and a whole bunch of horny guys dump bees in the sorority's backyard where a bunch of girls are naked in the outside hot tub. So when the girls jump out, the boys use a video camera to take lots of shots of them. I mean that does happen, <laughs> but it. But also that whole scene was weird. I could t- I could honestly talk about this movie forever. Interesting. Um, yeah. I didn't I didn't enjoy it. Mm. This really put a, the put a damper. Yeah, oh. like I'm glad we were in the late twenties at this point. Yes. So, because I was like, this is this was a miserable choice. Um, the next day we just watched American Horror Story. Also. That just ended. I know we had talked about it. We on had, the yeah. 
on the last episode. So the season finale was Wednesday. I watched it. Um, it is good from front to back. Okay. Unironically, and I will say this about that. It one of the reasons, one of the things that determined my how willing I was to buy into a season mm-hmm. was how mean and or gross mm. and or like like something sexually, that show has been very guilty of being sexually like bizarre like sometimes it's like let me fuck you with this drill yeah, just because it's I'm gonna like, look cool i'm like what but i don't like like i don't like that at all mm. you would think as a fan of of genre stuff as i am i would be fine with it but there's just this way that they do it that's it's like dirty yeah it's shocking for shocking's sake. It never feels warranted. Yep. And it's often like borderline gross out mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah. Um, this season never does that at okay. all. Okay. And like the, the the finale, I was like, they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna fumble it. <laughs> they're gonna fuck this up. Of course they but are. like I, I can with with a with a uh, open heart recommend this season. <laughs> I'm I am glad to hear that, because as I mean I did ask for your final take on it because that show has been very guilty of being promising and then plummeting mm-hmm. and it is exciting to hear that so when it hits streaming I will watch yes I will re-watch it when it hits streaming because I think it really it's one of the more cohesive seasons too okay. like like you feel like oh if I were to now knowing what I know if I were to go back and rewatch an earlier episode it might play differently sure which is fun because it's that show doesn't usually do quality stuff. Um, so we went to the movie theater, and we saw a little movie called Countdown. Countdown. And it is it is the the Death App movie. Oh, okay. What is like? I don't even think I saw a poster for this anywhere. Everybody I was talking I, about it. And I'm like, this sounds like exactly like it was made for me. It was so good. Was it really? It was. It was really like. It was just really good. It did interesting, fresh, self-aware shit. Huh. And I, I get it. I'm sure people will be like, no, it was stupid. PG-13, what are you, dumb? But, like, it was it was really, really good and nice and avoided falling into some traps okay. <laughs> of, like, something that could potentially be overdone at this point. Yeah. And, like, I, I might have mentioned it when we were talking about Stranger Calls, apparently, last time. Like that, how that movie goes out of it. The remake goes out of its way to to explain why she her cell phone doesn't work. Right, right. And like I'm, I feel like I I'm just done. If if your movie does that in modern times, I, I'm done. I can't take you seriously sure. because we live in a time where everyone is connected with their phone. So I think there needs to be more technologically um, aware movies, things yeah. that embrace it. And this does it in a really smart fun weird way hmm, interesting um i'm sad it doesn't seem like more people saw it or no. took it seriously yeah weird time for it to come out for one thing. it did it did we so like i guess if we watched it on day 27 i mean it yeah it was weird i wish it would have maybe came out like a week before mm. halloween or was able to have a little bit more staying power yeah that's a shame um but it's a big recommend, and if I start to see it streaming places, then I'll start crowing about it. it. Sounds good. Um, I liked it. I hope you like it when you I'm see it. I'm very eventually. intrigued by it. Yeah, I had. I just heard people like laughing at, like, "Oh yeah, there's another killer cell phone movie or whatever it was," and I was. It was one of those like, "Oh, there's one that came out in the theaters." I I never even saw a poster, and that's again, I don't watch that much live TV, which is where you'd see yeah. a lot advertised, but. 
I commute in New York. Like I usually see when yeah. things are out and I nothing. We we saw a trailer before something okay. at some point. Um but it wasn't I it, if I hadn't been watching for it, it could have easily slipped by. Got it. The girl from that Netflix show. You. you it, it is not a Netflix show. It aired on Lifetime last year, and I, I told know. everybody to watch it. Nobody did. And I then know. it's on Netflix, <laughs> and people are like, hey, did you watch that show on Netflix called You? I'm like, yes, it's the one I told you to watch. <laughs> My mom did the same thing. She's like, I already saw that. Because <laughs> I am your mom. <laughs> your mom and I have a deep spiritual connection. I know, but I didn't watch it until it was on. I, I don't have normal TV, right. so I didn't watch it until it was on Netflix. I and I had read the book for a book club. Enough, so but I, I liked was, her. Yeah. yeah. I liked her, so she's good. She's good. I mean, I don't know. Everybody watch it. It was good. Um, there's a movie called The Cave that I watched, and it's like The Descent, only it's a cave. Okay. I feel like this sounds and, vaguely familiar. And Piper Perabo is in it. Oh, wait. from This is 2019? No. no. This is The Cave. El the cave. 2005. Morris That's Chestnut. Chestnut. Um... That's- I'm trying to figure out if I if I remember this. Oh, Lena Headey, that's a good cast. It's a, it's a really <gasps> Daniel Day Kim. How is yep. this? Yep, Daniel Day Kim. Look, I don't want to give any spoilers for a movie that came out. Is he not in it enough? Is that really no? Enough? He like he's in it a decent amount, and he doesn't die right away. Oh, I was so jazzed because nice. he's like, I'm the guy that holds the camera, and right. I was like, Oh, Daniel Day Kim, you're gonna die. Yeah, but it wasn't like that. It's weird. Mm. It was better than it, I thought it was going to be, but it definitely was not Okay. It, I mean, it sounds... I'm looking at the synopsis. It, it looks very much like a Descent clone, but it came yeah. out around the same time as the Descent, so it could have just been bad luck. Yeah, and, and the monsters are different. See? Okay. Like, it's, it, they have a different slant, and they do different stuff, and, like, the payoff is mm. different. I don't know. I'm glad I watched it because it was really bizarre, but like, I don't know if in good faith I could recommend it to anybody. Understood. <laughs> a movie I could recommend to everybody that I don't think you've seen, mm-hmm. but um, Satanic Panic. No, I have not. Um, so this is a Fangoria-backed movie. Okay. And it is... It, it was getting a lot... Like, people were talking it up, but then that always makes me worried because I know a lot of people involved in Fangoria, and I know mm-hmm. that a lot of other people do, and then I'm like, wait a second, is this actually good, or is this, like, my friends made this good? Right. Do you know what I mean? I don't mean to be, like, rude No, no, no. About- I, I, it's, it's why I think you're on a similar note with me. Like, I, I am so happy when my friends and people I know do great... Th- to make movies and stuff, but I also just have that nagging, like, oh, I'm afraid I'm not going to like it, or I'm afraid I'm not going to be able to watch it and not like it, and I won't even know, won't be mm-hmm. able to judge it. It So, I think we put it off a little bit. Mm-hmm. I, it screened up here, and we didn't go see it. I don't know. I was just like, I don't I don't want, I don't want to be disappointed in this, because Rebecca Romaine is in it. Yeah, and it's, um, it's uh, Grady Hendrix, who's a kind of beloved figure now, I think, in horror, who wrote, who's written a lot of novels that people really love, and a female director. Yeah, yeah, and I was just like, but we watched it, and it is very good. Nice. Like, very, very good. Like, genuinely funny, too. Not, like, Zach's tough to get sometimes. He he was about 15, 20 minutes in, and he, you could tell he was kind of trying not to laugh at it. Like, wait a second, (laughs) is this this bad or actually funny? By the end, it was, like, full on, like, oh, this is hysterical. Got it. It was so good. So, I think we rented it. I don't think it's... Dreaming okay. yet, but it was great. 
Good. Good to hear. And then we finished it off with Bram Stoker's Dracula. Yeah. We were talking about um, that last time. Yeah, I kind of wanted to watch it again. Mm-hmm. I love it. I just love it. Yeah. It's really good. It's a really good movie. It, it is. It it. I mean, I, I saw it in the theater when I was would have been 10. Uh, <laughs> and I think you and I have both said, and I know, I feel like a lot of people of our age and a lot of women of our age have said, like, that is one of the, was one, like one of the sexiest movies to have yes. experienced at a certain point. Like, there's so much going on in there that is un- was, like, unlike anything else that you would have seen on a big screen being portrayed that way. And everybody's having fun in it. Yes. Right? Like, and it's great. so great. Yeah. I, I definitely enjoy the first half as opposed to, like, maybe the Same. back third. Same. Like, yeah. I feel like when once Anthony Hopkins um, shows up, it kind of, like, it, like, takes a deep breath and you're like wait what what do we do I, I feel like it's after lucy is done when it's kind of done for me yeah because everything well, about lucy i think is just so great and the end anthony hopkins at that point is still really funny and then it turns into okay now it's the hunt for him and it just kind of yeah yeah it loses steam definitely it feels like they're running from place i don't know yeah but still like look i'm not yeah, like if you're if I have to say something negative about it, but guess what? I don't have to. Um, there, there is a great figure skate. Um, back in the '90s, there was this Russian ice dancing team, and they would do like they were known for being doing really dramatic skating routines, and they do one to the music from Bram Stoker's Dracula, and it's so great because she has this like flaming red hair, and they open it where like they have a sheet over them, and they're basically having sex doing the like werewolf scene, and then it turns then the rest of it's skating. It's very cool. That's weird and interesting. Yeah. yeah. I'll post it on the page. I've done it before, but I'll post it again. All right. Um, I am now going to transi- transition into murder mysteries. Yes. Did, did not try to do one every day because okay. we, did one, we did a movie every day in October and it was a lot after a while. <laughs> and now you're nine years older than you were in September. It can get stressful. I Sometimes understand. Like, things run late and you're I like, hear you. that's why I don't do it. Um, started off with a movie I always wanted to see, which was the 74 Murder on the Orient Express. Yes, yes, very good, I think. I hated it. <gasps> really? I thought it was super boring, ah. really oddly paced. They chose to focus on weird stuff. Okay. And I was like, what is going on in this movie? Why don't I like it? Um, this will become even more interesting as this list goes mm-hmm. on. Yeah. This is the outlier. So okay. we we then watched the next the next night I think we watched the uh, Kenneth Branagh one yes. from I did not see it. The, we saw it in the theater, and this is the first rewatch outside of the theater. Better than I remembered. It, I think it's phenomenal. Interesting. I I will rep hard for this movie, and there there I, I looked on IMDb and they are doing another one, yes. like Death on the Nile. Death on the Nile, yeah. I'm so another fucking really excited. Good cast too. Yeah, really exciting. So I. Got the audiobook from the library, and it was like the movie tie-in version <laughs> because that was just what was available. And I so, so Poirot I started was really it. sexy, probably. Well, I, I started listening to it, and it is narrated by Branagh, and I was like, <laughs> oh, "Shit, this is a gift." I am. Yeah. I've ne- look. I've never been like, "Oh, Kenneth Branagh." Never. Not my. Not my type of dude. Mm-hmm. I am thoroughly in love with him at this point. <laughs> in love with him. You like, know who oh, else is? 
Kenneth Branagh. Oh, yeah, he probably is very pleased with himself. I don't care. I just fucking love it. So I'm listening to that book. And in listening to that book, I really dislike the 74 version. I feel like I'm the outlier because everybody I say that to, they're like, what is so good? I don't know. Um, Zach was like, let's watch Murder at 1600, which is a Wesley Snipes movie. That's the... Oh, yes, it is. I mean, it was okay. Is that the one with Steven Seagal for like five minutes? No. Okay, I'm thinking of a different one. Is that Passenger 57? Yes, I'm thinking of Passenger 57. <laughs> this is when there's a murder in the White House. Alan Alda's in it. Yes, really. he is. So that's all you, you so, say. Again, oh, a yeah. very good cast. Diane Baker, Ronnie Cox. Yep. yep. I was, I was, I liked it more than I expected because I kind of thought it wasn't going to be like a real movie. If mm, you know, got it. You know what I mean? Like it Passenger was. 57? Yeah, I like it. Was It was actually like, it was good. Um, so. Next one we did was another Agatha Christie. I don't think I think this one is on Amazon, but I don't think it's Prime. I think we rented it. It is 1982's Evil Under the Sun. Hmm. It has Maggie Smith, hmm. Diana Rigg, hmm. and uh, other people too. But that's really who I was there for. Wow, Sylvia uh, Miles, Roddy McDowell, James Mason. Oh my God, Roddy McDowell is so good in it. How did I forget that? This one is, spoiler alert, my favorite of the month. It is nice. so good. Very nice. Diana Rigg is so funny in it. They're so funny in it. It's uh, written by Anthony Schaefer, or Schaefer, who also did The Wicker Man. Yes, yes. It's so good. Emily, it's so good. Very neat. Yeah, um, I've never seen it. It, it really yeah. shows that these are not all created equal, in my, sure. in my opinion. Yeah, there, I mean, uh, there is an art to adapting... Yeah. I mean, there's a reason why it's not like, oh, this one author's books always turn into a good movie. That's not true of any author, because there is always a different way of doing it. Yeah, it it's the stand. It was, I think we're going to watch a couple more, but mm-hmm. it definitely was the, the Agatha Christie standout of the month. Nice. Um, we watched Who Framed Roger Rabbit. <laughs> Technically it is, right? Murder I would, mystery? That's a, totally a murder mystery. 100%. There's a murder. There's a mystery. Mystery, yeah. It's solved. Um, that's, that's a murder mystery. I, uh, this is, I've watched it as an adult, but I haven't watched it super recently. Um, Roger Rabbit's really funny. Like the actual <laughs> rabbit. I never, never really realized that. I think um, for Roger Rabbit, I've always appreciated it as a movie more than I've actually enjoyed it. Yeah. It's, for me, it's I, annoying, but I'm not like I a Looney Tunes fan. That. Yeah. Yeah. I get that. There's a lot, I mean, he's annoying. The yes. rabbit is annoying but like i was like laughing this time i don't know (laughs) um i'm very sorry to say that um the mirror cracked um starring angela lansbury as ms marple um also kim novak and um i just like elizabeth taylor (laughs) Mm -hmm. rock hudson as well um this was I did not like. Uh, in I believe, if memory serves, because of course I've read it, in Angela Lansbury's memoir, uh, she was not overly proud of that movie. She didn't think it was a good script, and she wasn't proud of her work in it. It's it's a shame. It, it sure. wasn't, like, it just wasn't well done, I thought. I don't know. I've, I, I've eh. again, not all created. I got it. No. Um, and then, I think the last thing we watched was, we watched uh, Ryan Johnson's Brick. Ah, yes. How does that hold up? It's been a while since oh, I've seen it. Love it so much. Mm-hmm. It's so good. Yeah. Um, 
it's the I get I I completely get what he's doing, and I know people have issues with the dialogue and mm-hmm. with the melodrama in it, but that's the whole point of it. So if you're not yeah. like on board to that degree, then like I get it. Punch out. It's <laughs> well, I remember when I read the synopsis of it, I remember rolling my eyes when I read it because it just sounded like, oh, you're such a cool director. You're you're setting you're making a, a high school murder mystery with 40s noir style. Just thinking it sounded obnoxious. Yeah. But it's not. Like it's it, he commits to it. The cast commits to it. The cast is great. Mm-hmm. And it works because he, he's not trying to be cool. Like it doesn't feel like he's trying to make this hip thing. Like it's really you you really do feel like he wanted to tell a story this way because he thought it would be interesting, and it is. It's decidedly uncool. Yeah. Honestly. Yeah. It's really uncool, but it's very authentic, and it, it kind of, the like, the the, the seeming just juxtaposition between, like, this noir murder melodrama and high school is absurd, but it's also it a really good analog for, like, how dramatic and overwrought and terrible high school is yeah i don't know it just was i was like oh this works on so many levels <laughs> <laughs> nice <laughs> and i pushed my glasses up my nose like the nerd i am um and then i have a couple more um almost all of them in the theater saw terminator dark fate uh-huh what'd you think i liked it a lot yeah um i, I i'm hearing good things it's it's a shame that there were so many bad terminators because enough people said well i'm you've told me these were good before and they weren't so i'm not going to go give my money to it yeah i mean i get it i thought i get why people again i I will always say this i understand why people don't like it like i've watched a couple youtube videos which are dubious at best but (laughs) like of people pointing out what's wrong with them or the plot issues but i i don't care i thought the performances were really good it was really compelling and i cared about the story nice it was it was cool um Doctor Sleep. You, I didn't get to see it. I thought about going to see it this weekend. I didn't get to. You, I think, really liked it. I loved it. Mm. Holy crap. It was amazing. What? Now, uh, tell me more. Because you come to this as a fan of the novel and film or not? I like Stanley Kubrick's The Shining. Okay. (laughs) I don't like The Shining book. Mm-hmm. To be honest with you, I couldn't finish it. How do you feel um, about the 1996 miniseries? Most importantly. Stop, stop it, you. Yeah. Um, I think it's very long. Yeah. <laughs> um, I I think what's, what Kubrick did... I The Shining is one of my favorite movies. Mm-hmm. Just not horror movies, not Kubrick movies. It's just movies, period. Yeah. Um, I love it. I have a weird relationship to it. I find it extremely evocative, if, if sure. you will. So Zach, I don't know if I had if I've already said any of this aloud. Zach was listening to the Doctor Sleep audiobook, and he had been telling me things, and I'd read some stuff, and he we he was like, I don't know what they're gonna do because obviously the the Doctor Sleep is a sequel to the Shine novel, yeah, yes, not but there is a film that we have all seen, yes, that is is pretty pretty well you know lodged oh, yes. in it culture is in our subconscious, yeah, yeah. You kind of can't separate them. No. So that's what we were talking about when we were driving to the theater. We were like, Zach was what like, do you think do? they're going to, like, is it going to be? And when you saw the the Doctor Sleep trailer, they used music cues mm-hmm. from yes. from the Kubrick one. And the visuals, I mean, they weren't shy about that. They, no. they were visually, like, referencing it. 
Um, so it, what you got was kind of an amalgam. It was like the themes and ideas and, and plot points, a lot of them from the novel apparently, but like it, it was a continuation of the, the, the movie of The Shining. Like hmm. certain characters who weren't with us anymore okay. aren't with us anymore, and certain certain buildings that may or may not have exploded hadn't, <laughs> because the, obviously the Shining novel ended different. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it, so like I think that it did honestly best case scenario balancing all that mm-hmm. like plot wise and script wise, but also then you have Mike Flanagan inter- injecting his like his themes and his pathos into right. this. And it was what you got was the one of the I I there was a point where I just sobbed. Oh, it was so it was so touching and yeah. so great. And that says these things that I was very um, touched by weren't in the in the novel at all or just like brushed past. Mm. So it truly was the, the Flanagan, Flanagan, yeah, Flanagan seal. Um, it, what he does with kids and what he does with like like familial relationships and and. It's just great. I think it's great, and it looked beautiful. I don't know. People seem to really like it, so I'm glad. Yeah. No, it's it's it didn't get big box office, but it's getting pretty well reviewed. Uh, yeah, I was I was I saw your tweet about it, and I got really excited. I'm like, oh man, I should have gone to see it. But also, it now makes me excited to see it eventually. Yeah, I I hope everyone sees it. I hope that this maybe it will have more staying power, like in the yeah. theaters, because. Because people weren't sure be about it. Yeah. And then now you hear like, oh, it's actually good. Because I, if it wasn't Flanagan, I wouldn't have gone to see it. Same. And the trailer did very little for me. Yes. Yeah. The trailer, I will say in hindsight, the trailer is not great. Yeah. You want to know what another really bad trailer was? I do. <laughs> Charlie's Angels. Yeah. Uh, I, saw, I saw it last night. Did, so that you saw the, the you saw the trailer or you saw the movie? <laughs> Yeah. What'd you think of the movie? I I thought it was a delight. Oh, good. It was there was a little a few portions that felt a little messy. The script could have been tighter and like more Just punchy. True of most movies like that in terms of style and what they're going for. But I thought it was I thought it was charming. There were some like really funny parts. I thought um, Kristen Stewart's performance was fucking bizarre. <laughs> Her live deliveries were weird. Yeah, she in the back of every scene, she was weird. <laughs> she was so weird. You know who else was weird? Nick Patrick Stewart. His he has a couple lines that were hilarious. <laughs> but Jeez. like it was and like oh, it's like a wig fest. And there's a point where they're changing outfits every every scene. Every scene, it's a new outfit, new makeup, new wig, and I was kind of like, "Should be all right." But exactly, like, yeah, let's do this. What are we doing? And there were some cool callbacks to, you know, the franchise as a whole, which was nice to know that they were acknowledging Mm -hmm. it, as opposed to pretending like this was a fresh new idea that no one had ever done before. Which I think would have been a mistake. Like we all know how many times this happened. Well, and because very much, I mean, those movies came out what was it, like early 2000s to where the people going to see this movie probably saw those movies. Yeah. Yeah. They lived on TBS. I was going to say, they were perennial TV movies. We but saw them. why? I, I just don't understand release schedules anymore. Why release that movie on a weekend in, in no middle of November? Um, I don't know, and I'm not going to pretend to know, <sighs> but we have to acknowledge that that Thanksgiving is a is a is a powerhouse time, and 
Disney's pinning all its Thanksgiving hopes to Frozen, which oh, honestly right. it needs to do much hoping. That's going to yeah, probably no. be a juggernaut. And then we move into December, and and Star Wars is pretty much going to yeah. own the endish of that month. I don't know. I don't know if people are worried or like if they just don't want to go up against certain yeah, things. It just seems like that's more a summer movie too. I, I, I guess not though. And I understand like summer gets very crowded now and you have to kind of Marvel stuff yeah. too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or even like couldn't couldn't that be like the movie you released Super Bowl weekend because I don't know who they're targeting. Like you would think they would target more a female audience than a male audience for that. So I don't know. It's the other Charlie's Angels were so um aimed at both like oh hey it's chicks but they're sexy chicks whereas this one i feel like they're leaning more into like it's like it it doesn't seem like it's it's being advertised as sexy it's not yeah and it's not like so so twofold they shouldn't advertise that way because it's not but like it's it yeah it's definitely like a more younger female skewed Mm -hmm. movie but there's good like there's decent action in it and there were some really good stunts um, I don't know. It's you're right. It's weird. These two months, November and December, because like we tend to plan ahead with what theatrical sure. releases we're gonna see. There have been a couple weeks where we're like, "There's nothing. Where yeah. are the movies?" Yeah, and I don't know why. And Zach and I have talked about it a couple times, and he tends to think that it's very calculated and because they want to avoid Disney properties and yep. all this stuff. But like, I, I don't know. I thought that when they released Dr. Sleep was weird. Yeah. I, I, cause they couldn't, it was like, they couldn't decide, is it an Oscar contender or is it just, or is it, do we market it as a horror movie and release it in October? It, and it, yeah. and they just, so they, they settled with the first <laughs> week in November. November. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I guess. Well, and um, it bombed. But, yeah. But like it, that, I, I know that they've got, and I'm not mad at this, but they've had Knives Out really positioned as their Thanksgiving movie, right. which is fantastic. But I don't see, like, I think Doctor Sleep could have been a, a good Thanksgiving movie. It would have been a very good Thanksgiving movie. Yeah. And then they have, so Jumanji is set up to be a Christmas movie, and then obviously okay. your Star War, and Frozen is probably going to chug along yeah. all the way. But, like, I don't, I don't know. So I have... I don't know. Like, I, I usually have, like, movies I'm, this is my Thanksgiving movie, right, right. and this is my Christmas movie. I don't feel that way this year. <laughs> Which, uh, when you have no family and you're all alone Aww. in the city, like, you've got you to gotta pick movies to go see. Yeah. Oh. Well, it's fine. Okay. There's, <laughs> hey, you can always see Frozen 2. I liked Frozen 1. You know, I've, I've been toying around with it. We might, we might see it. Yeah. I don't. You know how I am with Disney. I know, I know. <laughs> I don't. I re, I re, begrudgingly give them my money. I don't want, like, <laughs> don't do we it. all? Yeah, mm-hmm. don't we all? All right. Well, that's all I have. That felt like it went on forever. No, no, no. It went on a, a good a good amount of thirty four minutes and thirteen <laughs> seconds. My favorite thirty four minutes and thirteen seconds. Uh, <laughs> all right. My list is is a weird list, as is often the case. Uh, I'll start with the first case. movie, the only movie I saw in a theater. Uh, was not one of the ones you saw in the theater. You know what I went to see? What? I went to see The Lighthouse. I haven't seen it. Yeah. What did you think? It was So it was like, a, you know, I knew it was like a slow Saturday. I'm like, you know, like, this is my chance to go see this movie. And I feel like I should see it. I know everything I heard. I'm like, I know I'm going to want to see it, like, in a big screen. And, and then I was like, oh, shit. But I'm going to go on, like, a Saturday afternoon. It's going to be loud. 
So I go thinking like, well, you know, but like nobody's going to see the lighthouse. Like the only people going to see it are people that know what it is. And I get to the theater and it was like, it was a small theater, but it was actually almost packed. And, really? I, and of course, again, I go, oh shit, it's going to be terrible. We're going to be talking. They're going to be on the phones. Gonna be it was the only noise was somebody with a noisy candy bar wrapper. Huh. People, it was, and the funny thing, when I saw The Witch, it was a Friday night and I remember having the same fear, but it was the same experience where people were dead quiet because clearly everybody in that theater kind of knew what they were getting and understood, like, no, I have to just watch this movie. And yeah, oh, that's awesome. So it was just, like, it was amazing. Where did you see it? 34th Street. Like, Shocking. not, yeah, not a, not an art house theater, like one of the big multiplexes at, on a Saturday at like 2 p.m. And mix of people, most of them I would say were probably like our generation thereabouts. Uh, there was one w- woman sitting next to me who kept la- like laughing, but I mean the way you should have been, because it's actually very mm-hmm. funny, but like laughing and squirming. Like I think I mentioned like when I went to see I, Tanya, there was this woman next to me who had like clearly never seen a movie that wasn't rated G. And so every act of violence, she would cover her eyes. This woman next to me was kind of doing the same thing. Like, <laughs> and and the lighthouse gets intense and like not just intense but gross so there's like farting there's you know um chamber pots like all that and the woman next to me anytime like there was a bodily something she was just like oh oh my god oh my god (laughs) but aside from that which again i don't blame because that's a good reaction to a movie i was just so impressed by my audience (laughs) um and the movie i really liked it I didn't, it wasn't for me what The Witch was, because The Witch, I think, The Vavitch, for those of you who are like, is she talking about The Vavitch? I'm talking about Yeah, what is she talking yes. about? Like, The Vavitch was so, like, I felt like it was made for me, where it was the exact kind of horror movie I'd always wanted, and along with that was, oh yeah, and it's also this story that I can really connect to, and it has an ending that I can really connect to, with The Lighthouse, like... It's about two dudes in a lighthouse, so it's a very different distance to me to that story. Um, but I did love it. They're so good. Uh, mm-hmm. and, like, both of them. Like, you know Willem Dafoe is going to be good because, like, he was born for this kind of part. But Robert Pattinson is so good. Um, I will see it again eventually. I have absolutely no idea what it was really saying. I think there's a lot of different... Uh, interpretations you can put on it, which I think okay. is great. Um, I think, like, if I went back to watch it, I would probably focus on Robert Pattinson's character to kind of really try to figure out what is he doing and representing. Um, it is strange. It is beautiful. It is ugly. It is gross. It's very funny. There's so much. There's so much farting in this movie <laughs> that, like, but in a good way. Um, yeah. Uh, it's cool. You should see it. Okay. You think that I would like it? I know. I mean, <sighs> I don't I know. It's hard to say. It's one of those movies like, I have no idea who's going to love it and who's going to hate it. Um, it's, uh, it doesn't like it. It oh, Man, I was listening to, um, there's a podcast I listen to sometimes called The Director's Cut, I think. And what it is, is it's always like a half hour discussion, like at a round table or at a Q&A with a director and then of a movie they're talking about and then like another director interviewing him. And you'll mm-hmm. love this. For this one, it was Robert Eggers being interviewed by Ryan Johnson. Oh, and that's so it, delightful. it was great because it's like they're somewhat peers, but like with different 
career trajectories. And what really like comes out and what you can see from Robert Eggers is like, he don't give a shit. Like he has decided he is interested in making movies, typically horror movies, but I, I don't think they necessarily start that way. But he wants to tell stories like set in the past and it, he is so committed to it. And you know, they apparently, like, filmed in Newfoundland and built a lighthouse in the middle of winter and, like, just everything about it. And you're just like, weren't you probably, like, you were probably offered a Marvel movie after The Witch. And I think he was. And he was like, no, 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 I want to, just give me less money so I can go make my 1890s set lighthouse movie that yeah. isn't going to make any sense. Like, I like, I don't know, like, as much as I'm not always the... um I don't know when it comes to like cinema i can kind of be snobby about snobs to an extent like mm-hmm. i don't always want a stanley kubrickian thing and i don't want somebody who worships kubrick to make every movie but i, I just i really like this guy i respect him he he knows what he's interested in and he just makes the movie he wants to make and that's that's what you get with it like i've been I've been, like, hesitant to go, because I'm kind of afraid I won't like it. Yeah. I I don't know what to say. I, (laughs) like, it is, it's riveting. I mean, it's, again, it didn't, I didn't connect to it the way I did The Witch. Yeah. But it doesn't mean I didn't just watch it, like, with my jaw on the floor, kind of just thinking the nerve of this guy to make this movie and to make it this way is just so admirable, I think. I'll see it. Maybe not in the theater, but okay. I'll make it a point to give it money once it's... Yeah. And eventually, you're probably better off being able to turn subtitles on. Because it's... That's actually a good point. Yeah. yeah. These are very intense accents. And, oh, like, it's... They're both just so good. And the way they speak is just so... I mean, see it for them, if nothing else. Yeah. I mean, I love Robert Pattinson. Like, I've never been shy yeah. about that. So I'm I'm definitely, yeah. Yeah. And again, somebody who's like Kristen Stewart. Like, I mean, the, the two of them, very interesting career trajectories they've had. Love it. Right? Like, both of them are like, you know what? Yes, we did the big studio thing. It was miserable. It made us miserable as human beings. And so now we're just going to both make the movies we want to make. And it, it's it's really cool to see them develop that way. I'm, I'm, I like it. All right. So a mix of other stuff. Let's see. From our Netflix disc pile, because, yes, we still get them. Uh, we watch 1970-somethings? Slapshot with Paul Newman. Oh, I've actually never seen Slapshot. Uh, yeah. I, I know have, that a lot of people really like it. A lot of people really like it. Um, I had never seen it, never really had a desire to, but Brandon had it. And I'm like, ah, I feel like I'll get jokes if I watch it. Um, it's really funny. It has, now it is, in terms of how it's aged, a lot of, there are a lot of jokes and a lot of things that are wildly inappropriate to 2019. Mm -hmm. That being said, it's really funny. Like, I was laughing out loud a lot with this movie. Uh, Paul Newman's great, and he's, you know, he's Paul Newman, so you just want to watch him. Uh, It's a female screenwriter, apparently, which is quite interesting for this movie. Um, It's just, it's very funny. It, it will offend you because there's a lot of things in it that we should not be saying, but mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's, it was very funny. Uh, also Netflix disc, Hail the Conquering Hero from 1943, 44, something like that. Uh, this is a Preston Sturges, I think, film. And I always say the 40s are kind of my 
blindest spot in terms of probably film history, just because I haven't watched that many films from that era. And mm-hmm. whenever I do, I'm always really pleasantly surprised by how much I enjoy them. <laughs> that they the the writing of them, and this is back. It's like this still the very fast paced, you know, kind of talking. But yeah. the the writing in the 1940s for these kinds of movies was just so clever and so funny and so um like that's aged really well and this is a um set during world war ii so a young soldier who was discharged immediately upon going into the marines because he had like hay fever but his father was a war hero and he was sent to war the town was all excited for him to go to war and so he's been too ashamed to come home and admit that he didn't actually get to go to war and one night he's at a bar and a bunch of Marines come in. So he buys them drinks and he tells them about it. And they're like, no, 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 you have to go home. Like, here, we'll take you home. Wear a uniform. Just pretend that, like, you were a war hero for a day and then it'll be fine. Only when he does that, his whole town, it's a very small town. And, like, they throw him a parade and they want to elect a mayor. And it just, beca- like, spins out of control. Mm-hmm. And so this is, it's really good. It's very funny. Um it's, you know, it's made and set in the middle of World War II, so it has that different kind of energy of film in a way. Um, and it's it's about something. Like, it's very much you're looking at what it meant, like, that kind of mob mentality sentiment and what that means and what it means to be a hero and all of this. So it was a, a very satisfying watch. Uh, let's see, another Netflix disc. Uh, finally got to watch. I wanted to watch it on the plane I recently took. But for some reason, when we flew, Brandon got to watch it on the plane, and then coming home, it was no longer on Delta Airlines. Uh, and this was The Hustle. I thought that's what you were talking Yes! About. I was really mad, because he got to watch it, and he was laughing, and I'm like, oh, I want to watch that. I'll watch it on the, on the way home. And on the way home, it was not on my, my screen. Weird. Weird yes. how that works. Indeed. Yeah. Um, but I really enjoyed this. Uh, this is, I know it didn't do well, again, came out at a weird time of year, Um it's Anne Hathaway and Rain Rebel Wilson, not Rain Wilson. Mm-hmm. Um, although I'm still waiting for the two of them to be in a movie together so that I can say either one and be right. Um, and it's a script from Jack Schaefer, who wrote Timer, which and directed Timer, which is a film I really love. Uh, I found this very funny. Was it perfect? No. Was not it, yet. you know. Um, I think it, I'm trying to remember like the problem I had. It kind of lost steam a little bit. Um yeah, like it didn't, it definitely wasn't like overall, I think it lacked kind of something tying everything together. Uh, but it, they're both really funny. Uh, Anne Hathaway, when she, like, Anne Hathaway's really good at comedy, and I don't think she's always recognized for that. And yeah. they get to wear really pretty outfits, which is kind of what I was looking for in a movie like this. So I was satisfied. You've yeah, this, I just, right? yeah, I just wished it was like a little bit better mm-hmm. because. You. I there were things of it in it that I liked, but yeah, it wasn't. I yep. wanted it to just be a little bit I'm better. With you. I'm with you. Uh, okay, another. So I, this movie I watched because I think you recommended it. Oh no, Ratter with Ashley Benson. Was that you? I don't think so. Okay, Ashley Benson from Hannah Marin, our favorite liar. Yeah, I don't think. This, uh, okay. and then what I, is this about? Did I? So it's, am I wrong? It is. I sort of found footage. You can kind of classify it that way. Ashley Benson um, is a college student. She moves to New York. She gets an apartment, and we know all of these things because somebody has tapped her laptop and her cell phone and has a camera in her apartment and is watching her. 
No, this sounds great. Was this great? Uh, it was. It was good. The problem mm-hmm. was, um, it was kind of it. Like the problem was, it was really sad. Uh, because Ashley Benson is great. Like I, you and I both, I think she's our favorite liar. Is that right? She's my favorite liar. Yeah. Although Lucy Hale really. Really showing up. She's in the new Fantasy Island. Okay. Oh yeah, which Brandon's told me about, and I'm intrigued by. Um, It's weird. I've always thought Ashley Benson was like the best actress on Pretty Little Liars by like for sure, way way better than everyone else. And in this movie, what's what's great about it is she's so likable, and I mean she was likable as Hannah, but so often these I always complain about this, like found footage sort of horror movies. Um, seem to think they have to be about a really, like, obnoxious white person. Yeah. And, like, she's just so genuine and likable and sweet. And, like, she's just a college student. And, like, you know, you see her talking to her parents. And, like, she doesn't tell her parents everything. But she clearly, like, doesn't want to worry them. And, they're, like, and she's smart. Like, she's, you know, clearly doing well at school and all this. And it just makes it so heartbreaking because you see... Um, you see her when she starts to realize something is wrong. Somebody is stalking me. Somebody is watching me. But she has absolutely no idea. It's, it's all that dramatic irony. We know exactly that we're what we are. We are watching this movie because somebody has tapped everything, and she just has no idea. But she knows something is off. Um, and it's really a good performance because the way, like, and this is what makes it so sad. The way, like the kind of spark goes out of her eyes, the way she goes from being like really excited about New York to like just sitting in terror and just being scared. It's really effective. Um, fairly unpleasant. Mm. So it's a hard recommend because it's done really well. It's um, I think it's a first time filmmaker and he, he, you know, it, he's not doing any crazy tricks. It's really, you're seeing what you would see from what this person has tapped um there's not like big crazy sequences but it is really like it could almost be a play um it is really effective but it makes it really unpleasant because you don't want to watch Hannah Marin go through that no where yeah. did, did you is this streaming did you say no I got the Netflix disc because somebody oh. told me to get it um who told me to get it whoever did thank you but also fuck you you know that kind of thing yeah, sounds good. Yeah, it's good. It's just like a little too good. Yeah, was that? Um, on the complete other side of the coin, and I think I watched these the same day. I watched a movie that made me so happy. So, um, we've said like we are both fans of the social media slasher, are we not? Yes. Yeah. Uh, and you and I both, I think, kind of are like the only people that liked Friend Request. I liked it. Yeah, yes. I did too. Did you know there's another movie called Friend Request from 2013? Yes. Have you Very seen confusing. it? Have I don't think it? so, but oh, I know it exists. It does. It so. Oh my! Um, it's Anthony Michael Hall plays the lead. Okay. Definitely he, happened. He's basically like playing Gary Busey in this movie. Oh my! Like, they open on him sleeping in a van. Uh, with like beer cans everywhere and like somebody wakes him up and then he just grabs like whatever warm beer can is nearest to him and drinks it and then goes home and walks into his his gross house and there's a like a, 
carton of pizza, and he just grabs a slice and bites into it. And then, meanwhile, he has, like, this gaping wound on his hand, but thankfully there's an open vodka bottle right there, so he takes it and he just pours it over his hand, and then, of course, he drinks uh... it. <laughs> it's, like, that's just the first two minutes in the movie. Well, um, I guess to establish character. Oh yes, oh yes. Oh, and then the best is like, so he goes to—he's a cop, he's a detective, and he goes to to the station. And of course, his chief is like, you know, I'd fire you if you weren't so damn good. And he's like, oh, meet your new partner. And this woman knocks on the door and walks in. And Anthony Michael Hall looks at her like in the face, like she has walked into a building and he's standing in front of her, and he's just being an asshole to her. And he's like, yeah, nice ass, and walks by. Now. Aside from, like, okay, wow, he's also an asshole. Aside from that, it's like, no, 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 but you didn't even see her ass. Like, she walked in. You've only seen her from the front. How do you know she has a nice How ass? Do you know? Oh, why? Um, there, there is. Uh, and apparently um, James had shared this screenshot with, with me, like, a, a year or two ago, and I'd forgotten about it. But there is absolutely a shot in this movie <laughs> that is an establishing shot of the police headquarters. And... I was at the gym when I was watching it, so I had to, I'm like, wait, is that? And I had to pause it and make sure. Oh, yeah. The establishing shot, you can see the watermarked shutter stock. Oh, all over no. It. Yes. Oh, and it's great. And it has the most ridiculous twist ending, but it's not a twist ending because they're like, well, there's no characters left, so I guess it has to be this person. And it is. And the logic involved in that person makes absolutely no sense because you think, how is this person going to get away with it? Oh, it's joyous. It's on Amazon Prime. I heartily recommend it. Oh, I don't... It doesn't sound good, though. It, but doesn't it sound fun? Right. Yeah, do it, do it. Alright, All right, a few more on Shudder. Um, I watched Next of Kin from 1982, an Australian movie. Okay. It uh, comes up on the Not Quite Hollywood documentary. Hmm. Maybe that's why it sounds familiar. Uh, John Jarrett is in it, but it's Australian, so you know that he would be in it. That doesn't really distinguish (laughs) it in any way. Uh, About a woman who comes home where her mother was running an old age retirement home and people start dying. Uh, I think people really love this movie. I think it's kind of celebrated as a little bit of a cult classic. Mm-hmm. I found it really boring. Oh, that's yeah. unfortunate. Yeah, because yeah. it's a good setup. It's a good setting. Like, the Australia stuff, is, is it is cool for that. Um, just because it is that different landscape and different, yeah. like, attitude. Like, they go to a town meeting and everybody's just sitting there drunk. Like, that kind of thing that you'd find in 80s Australia. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. I was really, really bored by it. Um, but then while I was on Shutter, um, and I had some stuff to do, and so I was going to, like, turn Law & Order on or something. But then I saw, like, what else is streaming on Shutter? And immediately I saw Demon Knight. And I'm like, you know what? It's been way too long since I put Tales from the Crypt Presents Demon Knight in the background. Yeah, I haven't seen it in a really long time. I think we own it. Uh, it's also on Shutter, so if well, you don't feel like opening up a DVD case. I love this movie so much. Yeah, I, it's, it's good. I loved it when I was 14, and I had a half day at school, and I came home. My brother was like, do you want to go see Demon Knight? And I'm like, yes. And I wore my Tales from the Crypt Crypt Keeper t-shirt to go see it, because I had one. Um, <laughs> I was I was obsessed with Tales from the Crypt when I was a kid. And this movie came out at the exact right time for me. And watching it now, it holds up. It really yeah. does. It is such a good cast. It's like an insanely unfairly good cast. It does that thing I love, which is it's a very diverse cast in age and everything else. 
Um, Jada Pinkett gets to be badass. Mm-hmm. Billy Zane gets to be Billy Zane. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's so CCH Pounder is so fucking good in this movie. I want to be her when I grow up somehow. Um, <laughs> you can. It can still happen. I could. keep working on it. I mean, you just need like. I just need like a. I can do like the. I could be her from this movie. Like I wouldn't like, but I wouldn't be like I would be like a, a white female version of her, or white fem- version of her in this movie. Um, <laughs> but I could do like the the one arm with the cigarette just in my lip. Oh, she's so good in this. Uh, life goals. Yeah, you should rewatch Demon Knight. Yeah, uh, maybe I I know Zach would be up for it. It's one yeah. of his favorite movies. It's just fun. It's so fun, and it's so different. Like it doesn't feel like anything else that was coming out, and it still doesn't feel like anything else that comes out. So. Uh, also on Shutter, I had watched The Lift from eighty. I think that also might have been eighty two. Um, it is a. What? Is it about a ski dish? lift? No, it's about an elevator. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, uh, I mean, I guess I was circling. I, I mean, you, you, we're both right in our own ways. Uh, there's a killer elevator that's killing people. Oh. Um. This I always wanted to see this because it had the tagline that I thought was the greatest tagline in film history. Do you know the tagline? Oh. Take the stairs. Take the stairs. For God's sake, take the stairs. Oh, boy. I think that's a great tagline. Um, not a great movie. It's not very good. It's kind of fun with how bonkers it is, but then it just gets really boring. For the last 20 minutes, it's just like a silent movie, and it's not very good. Oh. That's a shame. Yeah. And then the last thing, uh, this one I know you were the one that recommended to me. It is now on Amazon Prime, Overlord. Yay! I'm glad you said that mm-hmm. because I wanted to mention it during recommends. Oh. Um, since it's, everybody should watch it now and I want everybody to be like, man, why didn't I see that in the theater? Yeah. Did you like it? I did. What's so cool about it, I knew going in, like I knew it was kind of a genre thing. But it's so cool how the first hour of that movie, it's not. Yeah. Um, it's it's just a it's a World War II mission movie for the first hour until stuff starts happening. And I think that's really ballsy of a movie to do. Mm-hmm. And I think it does it well. I think it manages to um, make its character. It's the kind of movie where, like, those kind types of characters, when you're dealing with, like, young soldiers, it's very easy for them not to be that memorable or interesting or to tell them apart. And I think these guys are all great all the guys have charisma. They define the characters really clearly from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, so that you're really rooting for them and you, you know them very quickly, which I think is not something that can very easily get overlooked in this kind of movie. Yeah. Um, so yeah, really enjoyed it. And then aside from that, it's just been, uh, you know, it's, it's November. As I was telling Christine, I kind of jumped the gun on some stocking stuffers. So Know that uh, I am watching Hallmark movies and Lifetime movies and Ion movies and so on. Uh, you will all hear about them in the coming weeks, as you do. Hooray! Else. It is the fifth year of Stocking Stuffers. Did you know that? That's honestly very impressive, yes. and you should be really proud of yourself. <laughs> that I have not killed myself with <laughs> candy yet. Yes. All right. So on that note, why don't we take a quick break and come back and... um bring some handkerchiefs and uh, dive deep into a very sad movie. Hooray! I want to marry a lighthouse keeper and keep him company. I want to marry a lighthouse keeper and live by the side of the sea. I'll polish this lamp by the 
technically released in the U.S., I guess, in 2019, mm-hmm. made in 2016. It's been doing a lot of festival circuits and so on. Uh, Isa Lopez's Wellven, a.k.a. They Return, a.k.a. Tigers Are Not Afraid. Mm-hmm. Big fan of that title. I think that's the better title. Yeah. It's very it's very evocative. It is, and it's interesting that it wasn't the initial title because they do say it a few times in the movie. And uh, maybe that's why. Yeah. Like, hey, we're saying it. It's there. Right. We don't need to... But at the same time, I could see why it wouldn't have been, like, the first instinct of a title. Because t- to me, I always think of, like, in a, a play when you go and you wait for, like, you can't take it with you. And then everybody cheers because they're like, yeah, they said the name of the play. And I felt <laughs> that a little bit with, like, when the kid says it, it's like, you know, tigers are not afraid. Like, every time he said it, I wanted to, like, clap. Um, so I maybe understand why it wasn't the initial title. But yeah, it's a great title. I like it a lot. And it's very much deeply embedded in the film. Uh, why don't now, for, for those of you first checking in um we are going to spoil we're going to go deep into this movie so we are going to talk about the many terrible things that happen in it uh so christine with that being said please uh tell those who've seen it recap the synopsis for them yeah so i'm assuming everybody's seen it if they're listening to us talk about it yeah please i don't well i think actually seeing it obviously would is important and good like there are i didn't know what this movie was about other than like the brief yep little two sentence synopsis so like it's i i think it is beneficial to go into it without expectations because for me at least it was really i didn't know where it was going to go at at least not at first i think once we hit the halfway point i was like i get what you're doing movie and i think i understand what you're about but like at first i was like i have no fucking clue also the fact that this movie is on shutter which is a horror service. And this I mean, is a good point. Yeah, Shutter yeah. has a lot of variety. Like, there, there are movies on there that are not... Like, uh, Take Shelter is on Shutter. Yes, Take exactly. Shelter is... I would never call it a horror film, but I can understand... But to me, it's a horrific film, and it is yeah. deeply, deeply um, upsetting. Yeah. And... But at the same time, like, you'd see that if somebody was like, oh, Take Shelter, what's this movie? I'll watch it. I think a lot of viewers are going to be disappointed because it's not what they think. And so I had assumed based on knowing where this movie was showing, like it was showing at Fantastic Fest and all of these and that it was airing on Shutter. I'm like, oh, so it's going to be a horror film. And I would in no way categorize it as a horror film. I, I, yeah, I completely agree. And of course there are, there are certainly dark elements elements and, and dark imagery and stuff. And it chooses to deal with something very, horrific like a real horrific event by by leaning into the horror of it but i definitely don't think it's it's like uh i i don't know it's not a a scary movie in like the classic sense of it so but like i i so that being said to everyone who told me that i would like this movie <laughs> you're completely correct this and is also a fucking, this fuck is a you for making movie. me watch it everybody that said i'd like this movie um this is this is a christine movie if ever there was one <laughs> this is the, this is the same thing at, like as uh, i am the pretty thing that lives in the house oh i still like, watch that everybody who was like oh this is your shit like i feel simultaneously seen and attacked mm. like you oh, yes, it is, but also, I hate that this is my thing. Because <laughs> this is a movie, and this is why sometimes I don't watch, like, 
I'm doing air quotes, real movies, because yeah. the real movies I tend to enjoy are very upsetting. Um, yeah. And I don't want to be upset all the time. Well, I mean, it, you know, I just mentioned stocking stuffers. <laughs> and it's, I'm, the reason I started doing those wasn't because, like, oh, I love Hallmark movies. It was more because I was really fascinated by this thing that had become, like, a movement. Because yeah. it started from just, oh, yeah, here and there you get, like, a little schmaltzy holiday movie. But then it became this industry. And people go crazy for them. And it's the same movie over and over again. Yeah. And I, like, I'm just fascinated by it. because I And I realized, like, you know, why? And especially after watching a movie like, like Tigers Are Not Afraid, which is about something very real. It is about, you know the drug war in Mexico and how it is mm-hmm. re- resulting in these, these miserable, miserable lives that people have to live. And you understand from that why people get so excited when, Oh my God, Hallmark has 40 new movies this year mm-hmm. and they're mm-hmm. all going to end happy and they're all going to have conflict that gets resolved really quickly and nothing bad is going to happen and everybody ends up okay. And I know that going into them. So even if I can predict everything else that's going to happen, I get to walk away satisfied and it's like, I mean, I mean, and I'm not judging that because I think there is merit in having that. And we all take comfort in, yep. you know, hey, I have cats around me that I can pick up and squeeze when I need to feel everything's okay. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's like, yes, we do need movies like Tigers Are Not Afraid. No, I and horror movies and movies like this are, they, they provide a catharsis. But wait, a much needed one. But sometimes when it feels like the rest of the like the real waking world is a terrible open wound, it's it's less desirable to go and and receive that catharsis in a, in a way that is too similar to the yeah. world we actually walk in. Yeah, which which is one of the reasons why I will say I have. Um, a fixation with the space movies now um, because it's not real. And yep. I find the real world to be um, disturbing at a level I can't handle yes. a lot of the times anymore. Um, it's been too sustained for too long. So oh. I can't, I can't constantly be like plugged into that much. Sure. Um, and I think that the, it, that's the same thing with the Hallmark movies. We find comfort where we can. Yeah type of thing um so yeah i would never pass judgment on anybody yeah and i think with the you know the easiest comparison of this movie if you're looking at like well what's it like if you're trying to you know tell someone about it Mm. easiest go-to is pan's labyrinth the difference is well pan's labyrinth is set in the past right pan's labyrinth is about it's about fascism it's about escapism it's about all these things that are still relevant but there is this very safe distance because it is not our time. It is not something we've lived through. Whereas, you know, this movie is, it's about the present and it's about something that's happening not that far from us mm-hmm. and about something that is very much in our sphere because we see the effects of it because we live in a country that is, um, you know, has no uh, sympathy for the what these people are going through. Can't I tell you, that's interesting that you you say that about uh, Pan's Labyrinth. It reminded me of The Devil's Backbone. Oh, yes, yes. That's the second one I was going to go to. Yeah. Um, a movie that I love and a movie that upset me so much, I am afraid to rewatch it. Yeah. And Devil's Backbone for me is that same, uh, what kind of what I was saying <laughs> earlier about like why I, I've only seen Devil's Backbone once and I didn't love it. And part of it was... 
I think I was going in expecting more of a scary movie. And what Devil's Backbone does, which is my like thing about it's the way like I I don't like werewolf movies because to me they always kind of say the same thing. Um to me so many ghost movies end up also doing the same thing, which is the go- it's not the ghost we should fear, it's the people that put the ghost made the ghost a ghost. But I love that because then that gets you to my one of my favorite tropes, which spoiler, this movie does, the helpful ghost. I, I don't, yeah, I and I'm I on the camp of like I you know, I get it cuz like I I like the idea of helpful ghosts. But they always disappoint me on film because I I guess I don't know and and this whatever this says about me. Um, and the changeling is a prime example of this. Like, it's so scary for so long because there's a ghost and it's after this guy and you don't know why. And there's the ball bouncing in the hallway. And then at a certain point, you're like, oh, it's not the ghost that's scary. It's it's the person. Yeah, but I can kill the person. I can call the cops on the person. I can solve this thing in front of me. I can't do that if it's a ghost. But I don't have to worry because the ghost isn't my problem. I But I like that because it offers it. like a, a weird level of control. I, I get it because I have to get it because that's what most ghost stories end up being. So I feel like you, like I am in the minority on my like weird um, desire for ghosts to be more unbeatable. But uh, don't you feel like the majority of media representations of ghosts are that they're unbeatable and evil and malevolent and like, I just, why I find it so refreshing well, when a ghost uh, is no, like, No, because in the oh, good hey, movies, they're not. <laughs> in all the good movies, they end up being like, it, it's that same like oh no they're covering up a crime like that's you have to if you if you find who killed them you free the ghost oh my god what good movies are you watching because i find like that never happens uh, i mean again, the, the, the movie that i can think of right now is the pact the pact has yeah. a helpful, go- helpful ghost and that's it that's the only one i can think of um okay isn't what lies beneath one like that oh but again awesome subversive thing that it does i know but it's like i feel like the friendly ghost is the subversion of the ghost because like poltergeist is bad ghosts and like the conjuring is bad ghosts and paranormal activity and what other i keep going to the changeling but i know i have more um I'm just now drawing a blank. I'm, honestly, I'm, I'm not asking for you to prove it. I'm asking you because I want movies to watch. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Tell me what I should be watching. I'm gonna, clearly, I'm gonna I've seen you wrong. Helpful <laughs> ghosts. Find them. I'm going to look for them because I know I have a bunch more and I just, I'm like drawing a blank right now, but yeah. they're definitely oh, there. That's so, maybe, maybe I've just focused on too much of like a modern mainstream yeah. ghost, but like, because every time there's like that that like inversion of like oh that's actually helpful I'm like oh I love this movie now I don't even care if it has been yeah. bad up until now <laughs> I mean I think that's kind of and I'm the complete reverse I'm like oh so now the ghost is nice and now the the drama's <laughs> gone like the ring does a cool thing where it subverts that right because yes. the ring like you think oh yeah. she's she is the victim but then it's like wait no you let her out like I love that's that line you let her out. That- yeah. That's the best thing that movie does. Yes, exactly. Because it's otherwise it's a good ghost, and I want a good ghost. Um, I know I have like a whole list of good ghosts. So I'm gonna find them for you. Uh, the oh. Devil's Backbone's one, but yeah, but I mean, I feel like that's like an odd man out kind of thing. <sighs> okay, I'm. We're gonna. I'll. I'll work on this. Sorry, there we we. <laughs> we digress a lot. <laughs> All right. Um, but yes, we, well, we didn't synopsize. You want to do a quick one? 
Yeah, I'll do do a synopsis real, real quick. So this is uh, about a like a town in Mexico where there is a a bad man running for some kind of political office, mayor. I don't know. Let's say mayor. Um, I and it's not that I don't know. It's just that to a degree that level of detail isn't necessary mm. in this yes. movie. Um, I, it is he is not a nice guy. He um, controls a gang that is uh, abducting and murdering people. Mm-hmm. And that has resulted in this uh, little group of ragtag orphans. Um, and these little children need to stick together to deal with the horrible things that are happening in this in this little uh, city town. And uh, there may or may not be ghosts, and there may or may not be wishes, but there's a lot of sadness. Yeah, there's a lot of as soon as you saw that one little boy holding his little pet <gasps> my, tiger, my son. As soon as you saw him, I, I was like, I "Oh no, my son!" Oh every no. Time. I was like, this boy is way too cute to survive this horrible movie. And I and I thought of you. I'm like, this little boy is going to break Christine's heart. I know oh, it. I, full, dis- full disclosure, I, I, I was high when I watched this, but I, I think that saved my life. I could see that. Yeah. You, because I, 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 if I, if I had been a hundred percent like normal Christine <laughs> levels of present, I would have, I, we probably would have had to shut it off. Yep. Um, because I was just, yeah. like, thinking back, I'm not okay with anything that happened no. in this movie. No. It, oh, man. It, and I, I knew going in, I knew very little about it. I knew people had compared it to um, uh, Guillermo del Toro, and I knew that people had said, it's really sad. So as soon as that little boy shut up, I'm like, he's too cute, he's going to die. And then, but I, I didn't know that, like, I got to a point where I'm like, okay, but the rest of them are going to be okay. I'm like, okay, maybe, the, maybe one of the kids. And, and, but I thought like, one, like, I didn't think it would be Shine. Shine? Did I say his name? Oh, yeah. Um, the, like the, the main the leader. Boy. Yeah. Yeah. Peter Pan, if you will. Cause it's, yeah. there's very much a lost, lost boys, boys element yeah. to it. Right. And they're all boys. And yeah. then. Estrella, who yeah. is not noisy, you know, she has a mom, she goes to school, and then one day she comes home and her mom's not there. And I, that's, again, I'm not okay with that. No. Like, I I feel like it took me too many beats to realize that that's what happened. And again, had I been my constantly trying to game this movie, figure it out, overthink version of myself, I would have I would have lost my mind because that. That is so upsetting. So this movie is not shy. It is no. It, it is a it is a fairy tale. It says it's a fairy tale. It's going to place these horrific events in the context of a fairy tale. In in doing so, it then presents us with some really interesting classic storytelling tropes. Like you have, like you said, the Lost Boys, who then have this this Persephone esque character mm-hmm. introduced to them. This this female element. Mm-hmm. She is the bringer of life and death. Yep. Like. Just really, and so that's really interesting and deep without having to do much work, and and it's really cool. But her backstory is is awful and like has like an an orphan fairy tale element to it. But the reality of it is is awful. Like yeah. you said, she comes home from school, her mom isn't there, and her mom never comes home, no. and she's calling well, her saying she's hungry. Yeah. Well, yeah, she does. 
she does come home. But then this is this is the whole thing now. There is then we discussed did any of that really happen? Um, I would say, I mean, to me, I think I don't think any of the supernatural stuff happens because if you take out the that element of it, it nothing changes. Yeah. Right. She runs away yep. from home because suddenly she's getting really scared. I mean, yeah, she runs away from what we see because she thinks her mother is chasing her, but she could also have been a little girl who was suddenly terrified and runs away. And the next supernatural thing that happens is her going in to kill this gang leader and and saying, Mm -hmm. I wish I didn't have to do this, and he's already dead. And then the next horrible one is, like, so all of the supernatural stuff... um, like, sure, at one point she sees the ghost of the adorable little boy who leads her somewhere, but who's, but it's it also, I think, entirely within reality that she goes that direction. Like, yep. I, I think you, uh, to me, I took it very much as what I think it's doing, because from the very beginning, the way the fairy tale, like, elements introduced is she's in school and the teacher's like, fairy tales, what do we know about fairy tales? Throw out some things about fairy tales. And everybody does, and then you know, then there's a sort of shooting going on that everybody has to get down, duck undercover, and the teacher kind of goes over to Estrella and gives her three pieces of chalk and says, like, your three wishes. And I think what it is, um, like, I, what I took that whole fairy tale element to be is fairy tales are things we use to cope, yeah. right? These are, we, we create fantasy because it lets us deal with the world and deal with the bad. And so every time that supernatural element comes in it's kind of just a way of dealing with something mm-hmm. that you should not have to be dealing with at this age yeah. something horrible that you have to find a way to manage otherwise if you if you actually take it as reality then oh my god what an awful world it is and it is but i think there's there's that so i i, I took it very much as no there is nothing supernatural going on but that it absolutely is to Estrella and it's necessary for mm-hmm. her to get through it. It's a hundred percent true because the things that are presented, it, it, it all, it all tracks that way. It all tracks as, as a way you would, you would cope with something or the way you would explain something Yeah. in, in for better or worse, because you know, uh, there, the 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 one that really got me was to jump ahead a little bit is is basically you know she's being tracked by this politician he's chasing her through this like bathhouse that he liked to murder people in um and he gets stuck in in the room she she traps him in the room with all the dead bodies mm-hmm. um and I thought that was great. And there's great imagery with the phone and they have yeah. a phone and there you, and I kept thinking like, I hope they fucking use this phone. She uses it. To trick him because right. it keeps ringing and he keeps finding them with it. And it paid off. I liked the way it paid off. It's funny. Cause I was so, so annoyed by it. Cause I'm like, why didn't anybody ever learn how to turn a phone on silent? No, I know. I thought that too. But just as I was thinking that yep. I was like, Oh, they're going to pay it off and it's yeah, going to be, gonna I'm not going to have cared about this. So I thought, so the payoff to that is it looks like, you know, one of like a ghost character is going in there to burn the place down yeah. to light him on fire. 
And then I thought to myself, well, what if that's not true? If that's not real, because I'm I'm now looking at this like none of the supernatural stuff is real. What actually happened? And then I thought, what if he got locked in that dark room with all those dead bodies and he took out a lighter to try to see? And sure. it's clearly marked on the door like a flammable thing. Yep. So what if that dude blew like caught himself, himself on yeah. fire? And I was like, huh. And I think the fact that it works so well if you just pluck the supernatural element yeah. out of it, actually makes the super supernatural element more impactful because it's there for a reason. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like it's not just it's not just a ghost to push the story. It's a ghost, like at like it's an additive thing. It's additive to the narrative. Like it's that's how and it helped us as a viewer, at least me yeah. personally, because Estrella got to essentially say goodbye to these yeah. characters. Yeah, yeah. That, that's a very that good point. And his little tiger. Oh god, that little tiger. <laughs> because I got to say goodbye. Like I didn't like that that little boy and his tiger died because well, we yeah. we avoided it once. Well, and the he violence. Got and I was like, the violence yeah. is always so sudden, right? Because it's it's guns. It is one one minute you're standing there, and the next minute you're shot in the head and you are dead, mm -hmm. and you don't get to say goodbye. You don't get. Uh, you, you don't get to hold the person when they die. Like it just happens and then they're gone. And, you know, we, we get that too with the way they all talk about their moms. Um, and that's another thing that I didn't really think of until we started talking about it. There's no dads in this movie, probably yeah. because they're all dead because they've, and they kind of say that from the beginning, like, oh yeah, they kill the guys, then they kill the moms and then eventually they kill the kids. But that, you know, they're all the day their mom was gone and didn't come home um, and they're all trying to find that, like, last picture of their mother, but, which is, again, also a very Peter Pan thing, but that there are no dads, that, yeah. just that, that cruelty, I think, of, of this world and of this, um, and I mean, I'm not going to pretend to know anything about Mexican drug cartels and what it's doing to Mexico, but we know from the fact that people are risking their lives to get away from that, that it's very bad and mm -hmm. i think it's a very powerful way of making that there without um you know w without just having to say oh here's a documentary about mexican cartels like no here's here's a story about it that will rip your heart out and i think there's so much to it that really is in there designed to make you see those things mm -hmm. yeah i yeah i mean you you make a really good point with the with the suddenness of of the violence and how it it is jarring and it's out of nowhere and in in that respect very like realistic and i think that that is you know it is a movie about find the inability to find closure and tr yeah. like doing what you can to find it because even when in when my sweet son with his little tiger <laughs> um gets shot uh, you know it's it's the it's the smallest most innocent among them, arguably, this little boy who can't talk. Yeah, and they all struggle. Yeah, with closure for him because they they carry his little body out. Yeah, and and that they get so angry at Estrella for leaving his body, and it's this. I mean, really, like what what is what is there to do with the body? There's nothing to do with the body. Mm -hmm. She doesn't need to be sitting there with him, but just that this this world that the boys create um which i think is also again very fairy tale esque of um 
you know, to, to they've created a society, they've created a hierarchy, and you know they have a system and they have rules. So you know, one of the rules is there's a dead body. You don't you don't leave him. He's still he's still here. You have to sit there and guard him. Mm-hmm. But he's not. But he's dead. And even though they are so mature for their age and so aware because they had to be to survive, there is still that kind of like child child heart in them. Um, that just makes it hurt so much more. I mean, yeah, like the, he's this is a, they've seen dead bodies, they've seen this violence, but like they're worried that his his corpse is going to get cold. Like yeah. not like cold like but that he is going to be cold. Yeah. So upsetting. It's very upsetting. Uh, and and the, all that yeah. all that stuff is really hard. Yeah. The stuff with 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 him is just very hard. Yeah, I mean the the, <laughs> the boy is adorable. That does not help anything. He's so funny and goofy. He's so it's so funny. cute. And because yeah, that's the thing, like, it's not just that he's cute. Like, it is. Like, he's really funny. And the scene right before he gets shot is, like, the funniest, cutest scene when they've they've discovered this, like, abandoned uh, hotel, I guess. <laughs> yeah. And so they've just created their own world. They've, they're playing soccer. They There's fish just stuck there, so they call it their zoo. Like, it's awesome. And one of the things they're doing, there's a big theater, so they're playing American Idol or some version of it there. And it's so cute and so funny. And little Moro is, like, off to the sidelines, and he's just, like, holding up a sign, and he's so funny. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, it's it's absolutely charming, um, the, apparently, uh, she used the same, like, acting coach that was used in City of God to work mm-hmm. with the kids. Because all of the kids were non-actors. She wanted, like, non-actors. Oh, they're so good. They're so, they're so good. Um, and then there was also, I was reading a couple of interviews with her, because, you know, she was asked, like, oh, were any of these kids, like, did, you know, did they grow up with this? Did they come from, uh, this kind of background? And she said no. She was like, I... You know, at one point we thought about trying to seek out kids like that, but then the more we thought about it, we realized like, how could we do that to a child? How could we have a child live that again? Um, so they're all just you know amateur kids in Mexico, but that it was they worked with the City of God, uh, not director, but the acting coach to like kind of learn how to be on camera, I guess, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and just how to. I think the big thing it seemed like was to learn how to interact with each other. Which makes sense because they're like all like I I assumed those the two boys I thought they must be brothers in real life because they have such a funny rapport with each other they really do yeah but <laughs> they they don't they were just two of the actors that were hired for it yeah they're they're all very good and you it's easy to forget that you're not just watching like kids be kids yeah. like that it is scripted and and like this is this is this is a, a story that you're watching that it's not just these kids kind of like just flopping around like they just seemed so natural and real and that made it even worse because because yeah and because there are those flourishes of just like oh hey especially with shine like this is this is a this is is a very angry child who has been through some stuff and had to grow up too fast and is essentially the parent of these children um but he's also still so young and kind of silly and innocent and it's it's really upsetting to see that conflict yeah. in so, in somebody so little and completely believable. That kid is amazing. Yeah. Um yeah. I mean he really like just from the first minute you meet him 
Um, he does like, and and I I love that he's little, that he's smaller than Estrella, yeah. Because there, like, somehow that just feeds into it. That just you feel all of the anger and pain of this kid in this tiny package. And you know when he's holding a gun, like, I mean, the gun is bigger than his head, and he has to yeah. hold it and use it. And it's just so effective and upsetting and horrible. Fuck you, Issa Lopez. <laughs> It's it's really it's really a lot. But like but it's not mean and it's not no. it's not pointless. Of no. course it's not because it's trying to tell like a really like intense <laughs> like yeah. deep story with like these fairy tale elements. It's really honestly like a genius script, I think. I'd agree. Yeah. <laughs> It's really, really, it's it's an enviable script. The fact that she conceptualized that and made it be like a cohesive, impactful story is is, is really impressive. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's something that can go messy very easily. Um, and and I don't think it's perfect. I think um, sometimes like there's something in the ending that was, I don't know, like lacking some kind of momentum or some, or some. I know, um, but it's. It, it that's just nitpicking, I think, kind of the overall effect. Like, mm-hmm. it's just really good, and it it never feels as much as as soon as I saw that little boy, I'm like, that little boy is going to die, and it's going to make me cry. It still doesn't feel like it is manipulative for the sake of being manipulative. Yeah, like these, oh, completely it, agree. Yeah. Um, and so initially, uh, the, the whole where the whole. Tiger, because again, this movie isn't was not called Tigers Are Not Afraid in Mexico. Um, its title is They Return, which uh, I don't know. What do you think that that title means in the context of the movie? I mean, the the first thing that comes to my brain is that when these people, like that, they're the people that they killed aren't gone. They're right. there to to exact their vengeance. Or you can't, you know, you can't dispose of a whole city without, mm-hmm. you know, it coming back on you. I don't know. I, yeah. I just, I, I could see it, it being fine, but like, it, I don't know. I really like this, the title. Yeah, the I American do too. Title. Yeah. <laughs> really like it. And so she, I guess in like the early stages of the script, she was inspired by 12 Monkeys and the idea of... Um, like humans being gone, but just like the zoo animals roaming the streets, mm-hmm. um, which which like makes sense for um, like for the world we're in. But I think she realized very quickly that that would be very expensive and not doable. And but the whole plan was that he because like the tiger, the story is in there in the beginning, but his stuffed animal was going to be a zebra, and she just couldn't find like the right zebra. So then they ended up with a tiger, which. Uh, you know, I guess then did everything else. But like the end of that movie, think of that shot with a zebra as opposed to a tiger. I mean, I think the tiger was really effective. I do too. As like, as like, as as like symbolic and metaphorical because it is a really regal animal and a really beautiful animal, but a very dangerous animal and a decidedly wild animal that will like rip your arm off. Right. So when you put it in a cage, yeah. A zebra, like, is, is like, kind of mysterious, and what is it? It's kind of a horse, but not. Like, I could get where, where that would work, but there was something, there's something really violent about yes. a tiger that I think 
works really well in this yeah. <laughs> setting. And I don't, I don't know to hear that. That's strange that that's not her. Right, right. I mean, I guess it's just a happy coincidence that potentially elevated because it just becomes media. such a strong part of the film. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, aside from the title, just the like the 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 sort of like the heart of a tiger, like the the like you're saying the symbol of of power and of like like event like that power is there and it's going to be unleashed and like to see mm-hmm. it at the end just there. Yeah, like it it's um like it choked me up just to see the tiger there, you know. I'm thinking you're not afraid. Yeah. And yeah, and there's like there's the, this this very fairy tale idea of like transformation yeah. and of reclaiming power or station, like we forgot we were princes, kind right. of that yeah, yeah, yeah. stuff in it. It's just really 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 good and yeah. very very evocative in 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 it and emotional but like without being pandering or like hey this bad stuff happened be upset right. about it yeah yeah Ugh! i know i liked it i liked it a lot i did too it just hurt me yeah, um hurt me. I, I don't i honestly don't know that i'll ever watch it again oh um, i'll think about it constantly yeah. but i don't know if i can ever watch it again yeah. uh i am excited for her new f- film that's apparent like uh, like i think she's the only person that will make me go see a werewolf film because she's making a werewolf western that's very exciting it's kind of exciting so we'll see we'll see uh but so do you uh recommend this oh big time yeah um i yeah it's it is it is a very great movie but and I think there's there's we should always challenge ourselves with things that yeah. we might we think might make us emotional. And mm-hmm. I know that sometimes it's harder than others, but yeah. I think I got a lot out of it. I yeah. felt like, yeah, I felt like I got a lot out of it. So yeah, I would probably be cautious about when and where you watch this movie. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, it's not a gym watch. It's not really a commuting watch if you're somebody that's going to cry because then you're going to have to deal with you know mascara running down your cheeks type thing. Um, but it's, it's very good. And, and the other thing I would not caution, but make sure to be aware, like, it's not really a horror, it's being sold as a horror film. It's not, it's, it's not really any particular genre, but it's, you know, don't go in to necessarily expect scares. I think it's it's Mm -hmm. much more upsetting in different ways. Uh, and it is also, I think, streaming on Prime. Oh, cool. I didn't know that. I just went right to the shutters. As did I, as did I. Uh, do you have any more to say about Tigers Are Not Afraid? Um, I really liked it. Yeah, That's it. I did too. I liked it and I hated it because it made me very sad. Yep. Oh, yeah. All right. That was Tigres Tienen No Mierda. Yay! Uh, tell me your streaming recommend. Um, so I was going to mention that Overlord is on Prime and everyone should watch it. Because it's good. But also, I think this was on Prime. I finally watched The Lobster. <gasps> yes! Maybe, um, the police are coming to get you because they are so excited, so excited that you finally watched it. Um, yeah, finally watched it. Yeah, uh, it's probably on Amazon because I think that may have in part okay. part been produced by Amazon. All right, well, there you go. I think it's uh, Maybe it's on Amazon. But um, I don't know why we were like, yeah, let's just watch this. I like him this man I love him y- yorgos yorgos latimos 
let's just go with Yorgos for now. Um, I watched a YouTube video about how to say famous people's names <laughs> that I have a hard time saying. That's very and helpful. I feel like I learned a lot for this podcast because I in no way mean to be dismissive or rude about people's names, but I'm just really bad yeah. sometimes with pronunciations. Same. Um, so I'm just going to stick with Yorgos. I, this was no killing of a sacred deer. You know what? What I'm is with you. at this yeah. point? Yeah. I'm with, killing of a sacred deer is my favorite of his. I loved that one it's, so much. Boy, that's a movie I'll never watch again, but think about constantly. Oh, I, I want to watch that one again. Okay. Oh, it scares me. I got so upset. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the lobster was obviously amazing. I don't know why I ever, I go into his movies with hesitation. Like, is this going to be the one that doesn't work for me? Mm. Because it, there is something there that, like, if you don't buy into it, I could see you being annoyed or not amused, yep. at the very least. Yeah, I think uh, if you don't speak his language, then I think you are justified in hating his films. And I don't, I, at this point, I don't know that that's ever going to happen to me. I think yeah, I'm in same. so deep yep. that, like, I, yes, because he, it, it, it was so funny. Yeah. Uh, it was very funny. Yep. There were like a couple like big laughs in it, and and I get I guess that's my humor. Um, <laughs> and Colin Farrell is just really good. I, I love this age of his career where he's realized and understood like I don't need to be a leading man. I don't need to be. I don't need to lean on being handsome. Like I I, I need to, I can embrace everything else. Because he's, like, you never would have realized how good he was, I think, 10 years ago mm, yep. when he was doing, I agree. you know. Um, I agree. There's that all that discussion when he was he was in the Fright Night remake about how good he was in the Fright Night remake. And I didn't really realize it until I rewatched yeah. it. And then I went, oh, he is very good. Yeah. And it's good that he's done things where we can actually yeah, see I that. I think he grew up. I think uh, once he, like, turned 30, I think he kind of like learned more about himself or something i don't know like it just even like interviews he seems different i don't know i forget you saw the favorite right yes okay you and you loved the favorite yeah i, I thought it was i thought it was really yeah. good um this this is this i think lobster lobster is my second favorite okay. and and favorite would probably be third um but Ben Wishaw is really good in this i love him he oh, yes. does a great deadpan i love in him this. so much Ray, honestly, I sometimes forget how much I like Rachel Weisz, but like she's one of the first actresses I was like, oh, I'll see anything she's yep. in. Yep. I remember having that reaction to her, like, oh no, I'm a hundred percent in for any performance she gives. <laughs> I forgot she. I heard her little voice because she does a little narration in it before she shows mm -hmm. up, and I was like, I know that voice immediately, and I cannot <laughs> wait to see her face. Yes. So I didn't know anything about this movie. I like purposefully didn't. Oh wow, you knew nothing. Into yeah, it. nothing. I knew nothing. So <laughs> the entire premise was a surprise. Oh, wow. Because it's such a great, like, try explaining that premise to anybody, and it's a little bonkers. <laughs> I, and it, it, the, honestly, the premise is just kind of secondary. Like, the story that it's telling is so much bigger yep. than this absurd, uh, disturbing premise. I don't know. <laughs> I, I really liked it. I thought it was great. So what so animal would you be? Um, I, when we started watching it, I said, and then I forgot, I think I would be a pig. Okay. I think I would be probably a sea lion, as long as I had access to water. A pig or a bunny, I think. But then I hmm. saw how dirty the bunnies got done in this, and then I was like, maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> so that's my, that's my streaming recommend, a real, a an actual one. movie that I watched. No, that's a very good one. Um, 
I have a good streaming. Mine also comes from Amazon. Ooh. And so mine is one that like I had um, wanted to see for a while. And I was holding off because I'm like, oh, we'll cover it one t- at some point. Because Jason like texted me one day. He's like, have you seen this? You guys need to cover it. I'm like, oh, I'll watch it eventually. And I do think we should cover it at some point very soon. Okay. I think you might have seen it. Uh, Paul Feig's A Simple Favor. Oh, I loved it. It's so good. It's so weird and funny and it. Oh my god! Yeah, Um, this is the for those who the title doesn't ring a bell because it didn't come out to much fanfare. It's Anna Kendrick and Blake Lively, a fucking amazing Blake Lively. Uh, She's really good in it. She's so good in that. Um, She is one of those actresses who I think it. It's not that we don't give her credit. It's that she is. I think her range is is limited the same way a lot of actors are. I mean, I think Anna Kendrick can't do everything. Um, but if you cast her right, she is – nobody else can do what she can do, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, this was just so fun and weird and sexy and funny. Uh, yeah, well, let's cover it at some point next year. Um, so I won't say much yeah. more, but everybody should watch it. I- I would rewatch it again because I only saw it in the theater and now that's been a while, a while at yeah. this point. And I think there's a lot in there that watching it the first time is just like you're into the story or into the mystery, but I think it's doing a lot regarding women and relationships and friendships and perception. Like I think there's a lot going on under the surface that I didn't dig into upon first watch. Yeah. So I do want to get back to it in a, in a few months maybe. Woo! Excellent. Um, I do. Um, is there anything you're itching to cover next, or do we table that? I have nothing that immediately springs to mind. Okay, we'll table that for now because you're going to get a lot of stocking stuffers, including at least one with you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can't wait. Yeah, uh, yeah. So we don't know yet if we'll have a Christmas episode, but we'll see if we do or not. Um, and I guess that's that. Now the salsa. Can you hear the salsa music outside my door? Yeah, it's really good. That was our send-off music from the (laughs) nice people wandering Broadway right now on Sunday night. Uh, All right. So, folks, come to our Facebook page at The Feminine Critique or Facebook group. Uh, On Twitter, we're at Feminine Podcast. And have a wonderful Thanksgiving. Yeah, have good holiday seasons. Indeed. Goodbye, everybody. Bye. First we'll build each wall when it's just so tall we'll stop With a high-pitched roof that is waterproof on top We should strengthen it with clay to keep baying wolves at bay Build a house for Wendy, build a home where Wendy will stay In the walls of wood, many windows should be cut Looking out each way, just as long as they don't shut From each window, come what may, there's a different view each day Build a house for Wendy, build a home Kind of loft where old toys are often flung, and where parents play to recall when they were young.
Make it now without delay. Mothers like things done that way. It's a simple Build a house for Wendy. Build a home where Wendy will stay. are awfully important. 